The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Okay, it's uh, 3.39. want to let you know that uh, the news conference got underway on time. Let's go straight to the ledge. Here's Health Minister Tyler Shandro. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm here to uh, share details of an important step forward in our efforts to protect Albertans from the, uh, the spread of COVID-19 in our province. Uh, before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge that yesterday for the first time, recovered cases here in Alberta made up more than half of Alberta's uh, total cases, total confirmed cases of COVID-19. And that's certainly positive news. Dr. Verna Yu, CEO of Alberta Health Services, and Mike Meldrum, President and CEO of Calgary Health Trust, have joined me here for the, the, today's event, uh, which is to announce a shared investment in new technology and equipment, which will more than double our province's testing capacity for, for, uh, for COVID-19. I want to thank the, uh, the Calgary Health Trust and its donors for donating $1.7 million towards this new equipment. It's a generous show of support for all Albertans during this very challenging time. Together, we are investing $4.5 million to purchase new equipment and technology, which will expand our testing capacity here in this province to more than 16,000 tests per day by June. That's more than double our current capacity of 7,000. The new equipment will be integrated into our province's existing testing systems in Edmonton and Calgary, and will be located around the province at, uh, at sites where it's most needed. And this is going to ease the strain on the Edmonton and Calgary labs while getting fast results for communities across Alberta. Testing is a uh, critical element of our province's response to COVID-19, and it's essential to our province's relaunch strategy. Our decisions about reopening businesses and resuming activities require us to have the, the most accurate and uh, detailed information possible. Testing gives us uh, data that will inform our decisions as a province so that uh, as restrictions are lifted at uh, each of the, the three stages of our relaunch strategy, we can quickly evaluate the impact and adjust as needed. Enhancing our testing capacity is uh, only one of a number of steps we've taken to uh, protect Albertans across this province. Yesterday I signed a ministerial order, uh, a number of ministerial orders, that included actions to help protect Albertans in two other ways as well. First, I signed an order that allows disclosure of COVID-19 test results to police if an individual deliberately puts them at risk by coughing or spitting on them. Unfortunately, we're hearing that this is something that our first responders in this province are encountering in the course of their duties. Uh, we take confidentiality seriously, but we will not tolerate our frontline workers being put at risk in this way as they work to keep the rest of us in this province safe. The information would only be provided if a person exposes a police officer by coughing, spitting, or sneezing on, on the, uh, the police officer and, and claims that they are infected with COVID-19. It would confirm whether or not that an individual has tested positive for COVID-19 in the last 14 days. So that the, the staff member, the, the police officer, knows if he or if she needs to self-isolate. It's a step that Ontario and other jurisdictions are taking as well to, uh, to protect their first responders. A second measure that we've uh, taken is to expand the number of healthcare practitioners who are able to assist in our contact tracing in this province, something that is critical in preventing spread of the virus. Uh, 
Now, currently, only community health nurses or executive officers are able to do the, the contact tracing. And this means calling and notifying every person who has been in contact with someone who has COVID-19 and assessing whether they should be tested. Now, understandably, there, there's a, a high demand on contact tracing uh, as we respond to this pandemic and a need has exceeded uh, AHS's ability to recruit to do this work. We'll now allow other practitioners to perform these duties, including chiropractors, paramedics, respiratory therapists, physiotherapists, psychiatric nurses, LPNs, pharmacists, as well as dental hygienists. Now, regardless of their previous health experience, all contract, uh, contact tracers must complete training to take on this role, and AHS will supervise alternate contact tracers to assure the, uh, the contact tracing process remains efficient and effective. We know that contact tracing in this province is uh, an effective way to identify uh, who has COVID-19 and to reduce transmission. Now, last week, Dr. Hinshaw announced the, the launch of the Alberta Trace Together app. The app was developed in a way that protects personal data while helping us save lives with, uh, with our cell phones. The more Albertans who download it and use it, the, the better we can protect people in this province from being unknowingly exposed and possibly spreading the virus. To date, more than 120,000 Albertans have downloaded the app, and I encourage everyone to do so to protect both themselves and their community. Now, before I turn this over to, to Mike Meldrum from the, uh, the Calgary Health Trust, I'd like to again thank Alberta Health Services and uh, Calgary Health Trust for investing in our with our government in this new testing equipment and this new technology. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, Minister Shandro. Uh, it is a pleasure for me to be here today on behalf of the Calgary Health Trust uh, for this announcement. Today, Calgary Health Trust is pleased to commit $1.7 million in funding to advance our testing cap cap capacity within the province. Through our campaign, Clean Hands, Giving Hearts, to support COVID-19 response efforts, we are committed to making significant investments in areas that will have substantial impact on the pandemic efforts in Calgary and across Alberta. We know that testing is a critical element of the province's long-term strategy as we remain diligent in identifying those who are infected and quickly reduce the spread of the virus. But we also know testing is important in informing our public health officials and decisions about our future. Good data is better, good data leads to better decisions, decisions about how we approach Albertans getting back to work how we support our local businesses, uh, how we protect healthcare and frontline providers, and ultimately how we return to a new state of normal. By investing in equipment necessary for increased testing, we are investing in the capacity for more data and knowledge we need to nimbly respond to the future that remains uncertain. Calgary Health Trust has been serving our province and in particular the Calgary community for almost 25 years working with many donors who've made investments in the health system that have supported the infrastructure we have today. Without the community's generosity and the partnership of of the partnership and the partnership our organization has with Alberta Health Services and the government of Alberta, we would not have the strong and agile system that we've needed to respond to the pandemic. 
It's proof of how philanthropy is at its best when it's working hand in hand with what we are collectively trying to achieve for the community. We are proud to make the investment today on behalf of our donors to support the incredible people on our front lines in all roles, whether, whether in the hospital or testing site, in a lab or in a care center, whether providing care to the sickest of patients or helping to ensure the safety of our vulnerable loved ones. And to be able to join today those leading our province and health system through this difficult time. Thank you all for your passion and commitment to Albertans. Together, as a community, we're going to get through this. Thank you. Good afternoon. Before I provide my daily update, I'd like to echo Minister Shandro's comments and thank Calgary Health Trust and its donors for their generous donation. As I've said before, aggressive widespread testing is a cornerstone of our strategy to flatten the curve. This investment will further build Alberta's testing capacity, already one of the highest in the world. Once again, I encourage anyone who has symptoms to please arrange for testing, which will help us track and manage the spread of new cases. Today, we are reporting an additional 57 cases of COVID-19, bringing the total number of cases in Alberta to 5,893. Of these, 3,219 people have now recovered. Since my last update, we have also confirmed two additional deaths in the province. This brings the total number of lives lost to 106. I extend my condolences to all those affected by these deaths, as well as anyone grieving the loss of a loved one from any cause. As of today, there are now 622 COVID-19 outbreak cases in continuing care facilities across the province. I would also like to confirm that Alberta Health Services has retained aged care to oversee administration of Millrise Seniors Village in Southwest Calgary. This change in administration is a result of challenges in staffing levels at the facility over the past few weeks, as well as concerns over how the facility has managed outbreak protocols during a COVID-19 outbreak at the site. AHS will support the site's day-to-day -day operations in collaboration with aged care and will continue to support staffing as this transition occurs over the coming days. We will continue to monitor and evaluate the site staffing levels on an ongoing basis and we will work to ensure residents and staff are safe. I would like to reiterate that continuing care facilities remain a priority and we will continue to closely monitor all active outbreaks. We will take additional actions as necessary to protect the health and well-being of the residents and staff working in these settings. In High River, there have now been 949 cases at the Cargill meatpacking plant. Of these, 810 have recovered. There have also been 487 confirmed cases among workers at the JBS plant in Brooks. At the Harmony meatpacking plant, there have been 36 cases identified. And I want to emphasize that part of this case number is related to the outbreak management tool of testing asymptomatic workers. Almost one third of these cases were found by offering testing to those who have no symptoms, which enables quicker case management and contact tracing. AHS is working closely with Harmony to limit spread. It is important to be able to respond rapidly to these situations. And I want to acknowledge the work of all those who are responding to outbreaks in every setting across the province. 
With the way that public health measures have radically changed our daily lives, today I want to talk a bit about mental health. I have touched on this subject a number of times and it continues to be important. It's also Mental Health Week in Canada, so a good opportunity to talk openly about mental health. Prior to the pandemic, one in five Albertans were expected to experience a mental health or addiction issue at some point in their lifetime. As a result of this pandemic, all Albertans may be feeling increased fear, anxiety, or sadness. Many Albertans, particularly those who experience illness, grief and loss, or financial hardships, may require additional mental health support. We are already starting to get information on the experiences of other parts of the world that dealt with the pandemic before us. Both Canadian and international surveys have found that about half of respondents reported having moderate to severe anxiety and up to 20% reported depression. And we know that the impact on people's mental health will be felt for a long time. While it is clear that the COVID-19 pandemic may have a significantly larger and potentially longer lasting negative psychosocial impact than the medical impact on Albertans, and while additional supports are in place and more are coming to support those affected, mental health is still an issue that many find difficult to talk about. This can make it challenging to find support. We often ask people who are struggling to reach out to their family and friends but reaching out can sometimes feel like one of the hardest things to do. Instead, I challenge all of us today to try to connect proactively with our loved ones and ask how they're feeling, instead of waiting for them to reach out. Thank the people in your circle who uplift you and who improve your mental well-being, and ask how you can be that person for someone else. As I've noted, anxiety, depression, and other disorders are very likely to become more widespread as we continue to deal with the pandemic. We must talk openly and honestly about these issues and how they affect us. I am lucky to have a supportive family to lean on during what has been a challenging time for me, both personally and professionally. Long hours and increased stress can take a toll. If you don't feel like you have a strong support system to rely on, please know you have options for support. The Mental Health Helpline and the Addiction Helpline run by Alberta Health Services have increased capacity to take calls. I encourage you to call them if you need support. Their number is 1-877-303-2642 and you can find that number by Googling Mental Health Helpline Alberta Health Services. If you are in crisis or having thoughts of self-harm, please call 911. Other increased supports that have been put in place include increasing the capacity of the Community and Social Services 211 helpline and the Kids Help Phone. This pandemic and the measures we have had to take it to contain it have affected us all. It is normal to feel anxious, scared, lonely, uncertain, or depressed. While we continue to work together to prevent the spread of COVID-19, we must also work together to support good mental health. A crucial part of this work is to be honest with each other about how we are doing and having frank, supportive conversations about whether the phrase, I'm fine, really means fine, or if it means someone is struggling but not sure how to explain how they're feeling. 
It's okay if you're not fine. You are not alone. We need each other now more than ever. And even once we proceed with the relaunch of our economy, we will continue to need each other. If there is someone special in your life you depend on, let them know. If you think someone in your life may be struggling, support them as best you can. As much as anything else, this acknowledgement that we must look after our own and each other's mental health must be part of our new normal, as much as regular hand washing and staying home when we're feeling sick. We will always be stronger together, even when we're physically apart. Thank you, and I'll be happy to take questions. Operator will now go to the phone. Just a reminder that in addition to today's speakers, we also have Dr. Verna Yu, CEO of the Alberta Health Services as well. Operator, could you patch through the first question, please? Yes, thank you. The first question is from Emma Green of the Globe and Mail. Please go ahead. Yeah, good day, Dr. Hinshaw. This is probably for you and also for the Health Minister. Um, I did want to get some more information about the app. You said 120,000 Albertans have downloaded it, but there's been multiple reports of it just well, frankly, not working. Like, you know, you have to have it on if you're going to go run an errand. Um, there's also concerns around privacy and the thought that perhaps uh, the fact that this can't run in the background means that Alberta chose a route which was not okay by Apple in terms of its data collection. What um, information can you give us about that? And more broadly, did you guys just pull the trigger on this far too soon? So I'll start and then uh, if Minister Chandra wants to supplement. So the app works slightly differently on Android and Apple devices. And on Android devices, it can run in the background. On Apple devices at the moment, uh, the device must be open in order for the app to collect the non-identifying ID when it's close to other phones. Uh, this is something that Apple is aware of and they're working on a fix to software. And so we anticipate that this is something that will be resolved in the future going forward and for the current moment there are certain steps that have been articulated when people do download the app with respect to uh, how to safeguard privacy and how to be considering uh, where to keep their phone to make sure that any kind of safeguard that they can put in place is in place uh, recognizing that this is an inconvenience again a fix is underway with respect to the questions about the app not working certainly uh, there was some issues with a challenge in getting a confirmation code, uh, but that has been resolved. I believe that was resolved the same day that the app launched. Uh, so anyone who did try to download and had an issue with the confirmation code uh, can now get that code um, and that, that issue has been solved. So I guess in terms of the question about whether or not uh, the timing of the app launch, we know that contact tracing will be a cornerstone of our ability to move forward to consider not just the uh, challenges that COVID presents, but also the challenges that our public health measures have presented to Albertans. So putting pieces in place that help us to make sure that Albertans who potentially have been exposed to COVID get as accurate and timely a notification as they can, so they can both protect themselves and others has been important. And we, we have been working to make sure that the methods that we put in place to do that are the methods that support, again, the majority of Albertans and we are looking forward to, again, this fix that is coming uh, to make it more convenient for Albertans who are using uh, Apple products. Well, 
I think the answer is uh, recovered by Dr. Henshaw, but yes, uh, we've been in, in contact with Apple and uh, uh, they're, they're aware of the issue and we're looking forward to, uh, to the fix being able to, uh, to, to make its way to the, uh, the App Store as soon as possible. Operator, can you put through the next question, please? Yes, Jeff Slack, 660 News. Hi, this question is for Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, I believe you said in your remarks that one-third of the cases found at the Harmony plant were uh, done by testing those without any symptoms. Uh, I was just wondering how concerning that is. And also, with plans to reopen uh, just over a week's time, uh, how likely is it that this might result in a second wave of the virus? So with respect to the question about Harmony, so there were, as I mentioned, 36 cases, which is quite a, a small proportion of the overall workforce at the plant, which is about 440 workers as uh, the information that I've been given. And I think the, the important part to note about asymptomatic testing is that it, it is a tool in outbreak settings in particular to help with early identification of anyone who uh, may be uh, going on to potentially have symptoms at some later point, but it helps us to uh, pick them up uh, at an earlier point. And so I think that this is actually a measure of success that we were able to identify this number of cases to make sure that they now are able to be isolated uh, and to prevent any further spread from happening. So this measure is simply one of many outbreak tools that are put in place at facilities or uh, locations, other businesses that are experiencing outbreaks. And we have seen it help us with outbreak control again because it does um, help us to identify earlier those who, who are cases. With respect to that question about whether or not this is a concerning factor as we approach our relaunch, I think that it's important to know that people who are asymptomatic um, within an outbreak setting have a much higher risk of having been exposed or those who are close contacts of a confirmed case. And so doing tests in that context can again help us with early diagnosis. But this is not representative of the total number of people in the general population who might be ill and not have symptoms. So we have been doing testing in hospital settings in a select number of hospitals across the province when people are admitted, uh, even if they have no COVID symptoms, just again to sample in the general population. And at this point, there are over 800 tests that have been done on people with no COVID symptoms and not a single one has tested positive. So I think it's really important when you hear stats about asymptomatic cases that you know that cases in the general population um, or people in the general population who have no symptoms are much less likely to have COVID than those who've been in close contact or are part of an outbreak setting. Operator, could you put through the next question, please? Michael King, Global News. Hi there, Dr. Hinshaw, kind of on the same um, lines in regards to uh, Harmony, what sort of measures uh, are you aware of that have actually been uh, put in place at that plant? What have we learned from the other outbreaks at meatpacking plants in Southern Alberta? And are you satisfied with the response? So uh, my colleagues at the local level have been working very closely with the Harmony plant and have put in 
um, their recommendations and requirements for the kinds of things that that particular plant needs to operate safely. Those include things like widespread use of personal protective equipment, uh, barriers where required, making sure that uh, groups of, of workers are uh, staggered, so shift changes are staggered to avoid having large groups of people together at any one time. Um, and so certainly some of the things that were learned from outbreaks in other places like Cargill are being implemented there, including, as I mentioned earlier, rapid testing of all workers, making sure that some of these uh, additional measures like PPE uh, are put in place immediately and making sure that workers who are there have whatever supports they need to safely self-isolate, including if needed, uh, if they cannot self-isolate in their homes, uh, that they are able to access isolation hotels that are provided. So there's certainly measures like that that are all in place and have been since the initial few cases were identified and this investigation began. Operator, could you please put through the next question? Julia Wong, Global News. Hi, Dr. Hinsha. Uh, just a quick clarification and then a question. Um, noticed on the Alberta Health website that the Edmonton zone had 503 confirmed cases yesterday and today it's 502. So just hoping for some clarification on that. And then my question is, what does modeling show about a second wave in Alberta and what is the province doing to prepare for it? Sure. So I don't have the specific information about Edmonton. We can go back and check. Uh, but I know that sometimes when we have cases reported to us, the case comes through through the lab information system to the ministry. And so sometimes the address that's linked to the lab information system can be different from what the public health investigation team identifies as a more current address. So this may be the case in Edmonton that a case that was previously counted as being in Edmonton zone, when the follow-up was done, perhaps that person had moved uh, and then the case would be reallocated to the zone where that person's address currently is. So we can look into that and find out, but that's one possibility that could explain that shift in numbers. Um, with respect to the modeling in the second wave, what's really important to, to know with respect to thinking about the pandemic in terms of waves coming and going is that it's really our actions that will determine whether or not um, we see a spike in cases. And so as we move into our cautious relaunch where we're looking at sort of a staged approach with careful monitoring, our goal will be to make sure that our activities are such that we can retain uh, a level or decreasing amount of virus spread in the population. And so the modeling will tell us, for example, if we put in a an assumption that every case who got infected would spread to five more or two more, or on average, maybe only you know one person uh, would spread to another person, but the second person wouldn't spread to anyone, so a 0.5 average. Our modeling is only going to tell us what would happen if those assumptions changed. Uh, it doesn't necessarily tell us about the timing of a second wave or when we might see increased cases. It only tells us how the virus spread would behave if we collectively were changing our behavior significantly so that each person who was a case spread it to many more people or fewer people. 
people. So uh, modeling, unfortunately, it would be nice if it if it did predict that kind of timing piece, but it it can only tell us what would happen if we changed our behavior. But what we are doing to make sure we're ready uh, is exactly what we've been doing all along, making sure we have robust testing capacity, making sure that we have good contact tracing capacity, making sure that the public health measures that we have in place, as they're eased off, we're assessing the impact of that and determining what additional things need to be put in place. And in the easing of restrictions, making sure that some of the basic things that need to be in place for the foreseeable future continue to be followed, like physical distancing, staying home when sick, covering coughs and sneezes, washing hands. And those are the things that will help us prevent a steep rise and second wave. Operator, could you please put through the next question? Rafi Bujakadian, CBC. Hi there, thanks for taking my question. I'm curious about the expanded capacity for tests. You alluded to 16,000 tests. We previously heard Alberta's goal was 20,000 tests per day. I'm wondering, does this have anything to do with how there is a delay on the Spartan testing kits? I know Health Canada said they had to delay implementation of them, and then Alberta Health said that they were delaying their own orders of those kits uh, because of that. Thank you. So my understanding is that the Spartan kits, because those kits were really more for rapid testing deployed more in rural areas uh, in order to decrease turnaround testing time. Uh, they were never meant to be high volume tests, but rather an addition to the testing overall capacity that would help again with that um, testing access in more uh, rural or remote areas. So the fact that that particular product uh, has been delayed that that's not that's not the main reason for the change in the anticipated testing numbers it's my understanding that uh, there have been different pieces of equipment that have been ordered by alberta health services some of those pieces uh, the shipments have been delayed past where we anticipated we would originally receive them and so some of that change in equipment delivery dates has shifted the anticipated total number and the timelines slightly. Uh, but again, the equipment has been procured and ordered. It's just a matter of having it arrive. So I don't know if anyone else has additions to that. Okay. Excellent. We have time for two more questions. Operator, could you please put through the next one? Tomasia De Silva, Global TV. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. I'm just wondering, um, Calgary's mayor and some local businesses have been speaking to us today about the lack of preparedness to reopen come May 14th. Some businesses and the mayor have both said that they have not gotten any kind of clear rules or policies or procedures in place for the reopening. And while there are some groups that are um, helping other businesses like dental associations and that kind of thing, small business owners don't have that kind of guidance to help them. What do you say to that? So uh, just last night, there was a, a meeting of businesses across the province, a telephone town hall, where businesses had the opportunity to ask questions about what kinds of resources were available. Um, and we have produced guidelines for all businesses of the things that they're going to need to follow in, in relaunch. And quite frankly, these are things that need to be followed by businesses that are currently open, those that have not um, needed to close during the public health measures period. And so anyone who's curious about those guidelines uh, can go to the alberta.ca COVID website under workplace 
this guidance uh, and there is general guidance for workplaces that lays out the kinds of things that any business is going to need to follow as it considers where it might uh, land in that relaunch phase. And so one of the things that uh, I committed to doing last night was to provide a link to all chambers of commerce across the province so that all chambers were aware of that guidance because uh, then they can help disseminate that information to their members. And we really are wanting to make sure that businesses are aware that that guidance is something that should be looked at and business owners are going to know their environment much better than I will. And so those are the, the rules that need to be applied and they'll have to look at those and then determine in their context, what does it look like to have two meters of spacing? What are the things that need to be done to make sure that patrons who are going into that business can stay within two meters of each other? Uh, how are they going to be protecting their uh, patrons from the risk of exposure? And of course, then there's the, the worker employee safety part of that as well. So I think the important piece again is, is that workers and businesses are aware of the resources that have already been made available. So I would recommend that particular website, which also has links to the occupational health and safety website, where there are many documents from the labor ministry that have COVID specific information as well. I believe the Minister of Health has additional information. Just to, uh, to supplement that answer, uh, as uh, Dr. Henshaw said, she and I attended a, a telephone town, town hall with uh, various members of cabinet. Uh, there are about 2,000 businesses that attended the, the, uh, the telehound, uh, town hall, as well as there was a town hall with um, uh, municipal leaders throughout the, uh, the province uh, in the afternoon yesterday as well, uh, members of the uh, AUMA, uh, as well as the RMA, the, the rural municipalities. And a lot of them had questions for, for both me and uh, Minister Madhu about um, the businesses in their communities. So um, uh, as Dr. Hinshaw said, we, we provided guidelines in our relaunch strategy, uh, guidelines for, for our businesses in the province to be able to look at and review and to be able to determine what's going to work for, for them and their, their businesses, their workers, their patrons, to be able to make sure both they and uh, their patrons are safe um, as folks have specific questions obviously we can't uh consider every permutation of every business throughout the province uh and uh, to for for us as a government to micromanage every every business um it's uh but we are happy as a ministry to be able to uh get those questions from businesses as they might have them for for uh, for us here at the, the ministry of health happy for people to contact us at uh, health.minister at gov.ab.ca so that uh, we can help those businesses many of them actually have questions where we are um, they may look at a category of businesses that may be opening in stage two or stage three of the relaunch strategy um, they may see themselves fitting in one of those categories in stage two or stage three um, they're working very hard within their industry groups to be able to develop uh, other protocols to be able to see if maybe they could fit in a different stage we're happy to get that feedback from those folks and be able to work with them to see if uh, we can help them uh, uh, be able to to see if they could be relaunched in a different uh, stage of the, the the relaunch strategy excellent operator could you put through our final question please brian rashad tsn uh, hi dr hinshaw thanks for taking my question uh just with respect to dialogue between the the province and the edmonton oilers to suss out the possibility of having nhl hockey here in Edmonton um, sometime July, August, September, summer, fall. Um, just kind of a fundamental question about um, what would happen if, you know, the teams were here and it, and it all got to the point where the puck could drop, but there were a positive test uh, from a player on one of the teams. If in that situation 
it would be possible for a positive test to happen on a Monday and you know the rest of that team to play a game on Tuesday. I know it's a hypothetical, but kind of that fundamental idea of what happens if a player tests positive. So I, I think it's challenging to speculate. Um, and as the Premier has mentioned in the past, when we've been asked about this possibility of, of NHL games, um, that we're open to the possibility, but uh, I'm not aware of any decisions being made on that front. Uh, so what I would say is simply that if there was a positive test in anyone in Alberta, we would treat it the same way that we would treat, again, a, a case anywhere else in Alberta, which is to say public health would be talking to that person who's a confirmed case, would be trying to determine who the people were who may have been in contact with them. Uh, the individual who is a confirmed case would need to be isolated for 10 days after the onset of their symptoms or until symptoms resolved, whichever was later. And anyone who was a close contact with that person while they were infectious would need to be in quarantine for 14 days from that point of last exposure. And so again, that's that's how we in public health would treat any case independent of, of wherever it happened. And so that's really, I think, the all I'd be able to comment on at this time. Thank you all for coming. We will provide another update tomorrow afternoon. Uh, 414, you've been listening to the daily update, COVID-19 update by Dr. Dina Hinch on the health minister, Tyler Shandro. Um, 57 cases reported today in the province, bringing the total number of cases to 5,893. We've had 3,219 of those cases recovered. Two more deaths being reported in Alberta, bringing that number to 106. Um Looking at testing, there was a lot of talk about testing today, and it was announced that there's a $4.5 million investment in new virus detecting equipment and technology. Um, it includes a $1.7 million donation by the Calgary Health Trust. Uh, HS and the government of Alberta will make up the rest. They're hoping that the investment will increase COVID-19 testing capacity from about 7,000 tests a day to 16,000 tests a day. You can remember at one point, Dr. Hinshaw was saying that that goal was 20,000 tests a day. And when it was asked about it uh, this afternoon, said one of the challenges being is that um, some equipment that has been ordered um, has been delayed. It is it is bought and paid for. It's just been delayed in getting here. So we'll talk more about those timelines. We'll talk about uh, the, the testing capacity and some more of those questions about uh, second wave and the plant outbreaks. More when 6.30 Chet Afternoons continues.